Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. And it is a special one. It is our 50th episode. And my brother from another mother is here to celebrate with me, Corey Oh my God. Can you believe we made... 50 episodes of the Bash Bros podcast, bro. Well, there are 50 episodes. I think we have both missed one. That's true. That's true. There's only there's only one person that might have been involved with all 50 episodes. Jonathan. And that's our wonderful director, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm still impressed that we've been able to find a special guest 50 weeks in a row, though. That's awesome. Finding someone. Of of specific value might, you know, it might ebb and flow, but uh, some some are better than others. But before we get into that, if you are not aware, after uh, us being around for 50 episodes, you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Now we must introduce our special guest. And oh, yeah. in honor of the world championship this past weekend, we sought out trying to find an actual world champion. Yep. There's so many of them. We had 26, 26 to choose. There's, well, yeah. there's 26 world championships. There's 25 world champions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we uh, could only find the worst one. And uh, yeah, yeah, Shahar Brian. actually told me no twice. He told well, me no two different times. Yeah, we asked right? him twice. And yeah, we went down the list. And uh, yeah, only one said yes. And so, Brian, uh, whatever the rest of your name is, would you introduce yourself? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I should introduce myself. You said you found the worst one, and I'm not insert name here. Yeah, I'm not gonna actually throw somebody under the bus. I wanted to, but yeah, <laughs> don't worry, BBD. We already threw you under the bus, so there can't be two bus drivers in uh, this podcast. Oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Where there's nope. a bus, there's a driver. So, <laughs> and there's a lot of buses on this podcast. So. All right, no, wow. that is true. No, our special guest this week is Brian Brown Duan, a previous <laughs> world champion, who will help us walk through the entire 25th World Championship that, or 26th World Championship that was held, or was it 25? I don't even remember. This was 26. Yep. yep. Okay, it was twenty the twenty sixth World Championship that was held this past weekend, which was a wonderful event. Um, even though. Going into it, I was a little salty uh, that I wasn't there when I got so close. Yeah, um, one one game, right? Just no, one, one game. No, away? a game and a match. Um, oh yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to beat Pietro twice. But you know, I I hate to do it. I know I'm the special guest. Um, it is an honor to be the special guest on the Bash Bros podcast. Let me not down sell that. Um, yeah. But it sounds like there's a butt here. There's a butt. There's okay. a but. I, I hate to do it to you guys, but literally the first thing you said on this podcast was wrong. So I welcome. Just, you're off, you're off to a bad start. I think Brad um, said welcome well, as the first. Now, you, you said, I, I know what he's talking about, and I don't even want to uh, bring it up. I don't even want to. You said you've recorded 50 podcast episodes, but this is the 50th episode. Hasn't been recorded yet. So really, you've only done 49. I'm currently looking at Audacity that says recording. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Recording. All right. You said we, you have recorded. Right, we can come back to this debate. But first, uh, I do want to. <laughs> can we not? I, can I we do not want come to back sell. To this debate? All right. I oh, want to. Oh, we're coming back to it. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. have a very wonderful sponsor that we would like to, you know, we'll throw a word in there first before we get there. All right. Sounds good. 
Hey, bro. How's it going? <laughs> terrible, Corey. Terrible. Terrible. How come? Well, I I'm sorting magic cards of all things right now. Ew. Why are you doing that? That sounds absolutely heinous. Well, I just reached my breaking point. Every set that comes out, I pile up more and more extra cards, and it's becoming a problem for me and my fiance. I need to get rid of all these cards, but I just don't want to spew value on them. Dude, just use Card Conduit. What, what's Card Conduit? It's the new card hoarder thing. You ship them your cards, and they do everything else. They sort and grade your cards, create a buy list, and then sell them on your behalf. Once they finish selling your cards, then they take a small fee, and then they just give you that cash. It's honestly that easy, dude. <laughs> Wait, what? That sounds awesome. I'm going to go look them up right now. I know. Do it. I should also add that it's 10% off fees by going to cardconduit.com slash bashbros. BBD, get, get the hell out of here. This is this is our sponsored ad. How did you even get in here? Why did we not notice you? Uh, I've just been hiding behind the piles of brass cards. Ah, uh, BBD. What will he do next? Card Conduit, the easiest way to sell magic cards. All right. Yep, that is right. Thank you so much, Car Conduit, for sponsoring uh, this episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. But let's get back to our debate. And, and helping us organize we, our cards. You know, I yes, mean, that's that's really yeah, to important. To sell our cards, yes. Yeah. Uh, but you, you still just think they organize. They sell the <laughs> cards that you have, and it's a wonderful service. All right. <laughs> so I just have to say, though, back to going to this wonderful debate. Yeah, we we did pre-shows before we even launched, right? We did test shows. So, Brian, you actually are wrong. We we have done 52 episodes of the Bachelors podcast, and the first three have never been released. That's right. Oh, and yeah. they never will be released unless people <laughs> pay a lot of money, but still probably not. I bet we don't have them on file anymore. Uh, there's probably. a thousand percent chance that we don't have those on file anymore. Well, we don't. <laughs> John might. <laughs> true, I, uh, true. I actually deleted them and removed myself from social media immediately upon recording them. I had to get ahead of it. You know, you just yeah. got you prematurely canceled yourself. <laughs> well, if I cancel myself, then I don't get can't get canceled by someone else. So. Hey, yeah, smart. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what your month long hiatus from social media was. It was just getting ahead of the uh, the BB BBP debacle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's actually get into our topic because it's an interesting one. And also, um, Brian and I did our first day of our of our uh, thirty day. Uh, or one month of consulting with wizards, and I am like tired. Oh, you guys are doing it a whole month, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, starting from the beginning, tell me everything about the next set that's coming out. We can't discuss this at this time. Okay. Starting from the beginning, what kind of breakfast did they serve you? Again, we cannot discuss this at this time. Starting from the end, what type of coffee did they give you? I'm just going to say Horrible one coffee. thing. The coffee was so bad. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I, I, I can't say anything about the job itself, but while I'm there, I'm going to try to get Nissa to shake every world. You're trying to ban Nissa? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I, I'm going to try to he's, get them. He's going to put a Nissa on every plane. Nissa who shakes the world on every set. That's that's my first pitch. And then they're like, we might not need you for 20 whole days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Brad, so you, you experienced one day of working in the last three years and you already thought of a way to get yourself out of it. That's genius. Yeah, <laughs> that's my brother. <laughs> well, There's a moment where they were like, oh, you know, we're let's 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 stand and talk. And I'm like, stand. Nope, I'm out. Sorry. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> 
yeah, but anyway, the, the desks can either be standing or sitting desks. And as everyone may have guessed, Brad and I are both sitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on, though, Worlds was this past weekend. I watched a lot more of the coverage than I thought I was going to. I didn't catch everything on uh, every match on Friday, but Saturday and Sunday I was glued to to uh, to the TV. And uh, let's just, like, kick Don't it off. Don't you think from... it would have been easier to just sit and watch the TV instead of gluing yourself? Well, your that power? was an accident. That was a big issue. I don't <laughs> okay. really want to get into it. Okay. Okay. Um, let Let's just say arts and crafts just did not go well this weekend. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but, but no, yeah, so I, I was I was glued to the TV as well, though. I mean, it, it honestly was such an amazing tournament that, that I have never seen a magic tournament like that in my years for sure. It was just unreal. Yeah, it, it was. It was a lot more exciting, a lot of great matches than I thought that it was going to be, and. Mm-hmm. I guess like Brian and I are out at these other arena ones and I haven't really be- went back and watched everything. So like maybe they're all like this, but holy shit, this one was great. Um, yeah, I even enjoyed it and I've been really uh, out of, out of the loop when it comes to uh, magic coverage or enjoying like, you know, I haven't really wanted to watch magic in, in a long time, but I was, yeah. I started watching this one and I was like, wow, it's, the games are really good. Um, the format seems sweet, actually, like not the format of the tournament, the standard itself. Um, a lot of the decks seem like there's, there, it seemed like there was a lot of really cool decision points in a lot of the games. Yeah. Every deck was close. Basically every deck had very close matchups to the other ones. So it just, it just made for a very good round, round after round. Well, I'm not going to say everyone and, and we'll get into that, but let's, let's let's actually do a quick world's review. I'm going to, I'm going to soapbox first. Hold on a soapbox. I'm just going to, I'm going to take the mic and I'm just going to break some things down. So this past weekend, there was a $1 million world's tournament in Honolulu, Hawaii. It was the six, 16 players were invited the winner of the previous worlds, along with the seven mythic championships for the top four mythic points leaders from the MPL and the challengers made up the competition there. The tournament was a kicked off with a draft and then switched over to mono standard uh, the deck choices, uh, the metagame ended up being four Team Reclamation, four Jeskai Fires, three Azurius Control, four Mono Red Agro, and one Jun Food. And so it, it actually, I feel like that metagame kind of broke down interesting because there was like a, a, a few left-filled choices, but they, they were made by a lot of people. Like four Jeskai Fires, I didn't even expect, you know, I didn't even have that on my radar, and four people showed up. Same with Mono Red. You know, you thought Team of Reclamation Azurius had a higher chance of showing up because those were like the popular decks coming into the event. But also, <laughs> when it comes to pros, um, like on this stage, testing with bigger teams for these big events, that there will be deviations. So having so many people come to the fire's conclusions, granted, it was two teams of two. Yeah, that, a lot of that... It. A lot of these numbers are because of teams. So, mm-hmm. you know, Azorius, we have Apollo and Andre testing together. That's two of the three Azorius decks. Um, when it comes to Mono Red, Mangucci and Seth tested together. You know, like mm-hmm. that's two decks. Same with Jeskai Fires. It was it was two teams of two. Um, Javier and Marcio, Nassif and, and Levy. So a lot of the reason, that, that's one thing you can kind of expect from these tournaments. It's like, wow, there's three people playing this deck. We had never even expected this deck to show up at all, but it's like, yeah, they all tested together. Mm-hmm. You know, 
in, in in reality it was it was you know effectively it was one deck decision one deck decision yes one one thing i did think was pretty interesting <clears throat> is the fact that there was no teams bigger than two like everyone kind of just like buddied up you know i mean it, it makes sense 16 people if you just have a four person squad like then you have to start metagaming against yourself and stuff so it makes sense to just buddy up but i i would have expected at least one group to be three or more but maybe i'm wrong on that i've never played on a small worlds like format like that uh um, two of my worlds i actually did test with three other people which made up one sixth of the event which is way too high yeah in my opinion like one person too many um and because the prize pool on this one is just so absurd right like like the the year brian you won you won what seventy thousand dollars which was the highest prize ever yes and that the was next year until the next year until the next year until the next year and and now this tournament first place is 300,000 and the prizes are super small relative to the giant prize pool at the bottom the bottom four only go home with with uh 12,000 12, dollars yeah yeah and it doesn't it doesn't it starts doubling and scaling really high but like once you get into the top 8 it's 50 and then it's like 62 and then it's 75 and then 100 thousand that 150,000 300,000 so like you don't want that big of a team because if you start metagaming against each other and then you're just weakening yourself against the rest of the field and it's all it's all bad so do you guys think they split at all you think anyone anyone at the top you know the finals or the top four or anything i still think we can't (laughs) but i don't think that i think that's against their contracts oh that's true that's right with mpl huh yeah, yeah, I guess just basically everyone in there or everyone is in the MPL, right? Yeah, I mean, well, everyone it's so- in the in the in the finals was in the MPL. Yeah. Okay. So okay. this is a first lesson, and then we're going to get into the structure of the tournament and try to. Not, well, I'm not going to go super deep because other people would, but like you even knew that the structure was a little wonky. Like, just because all four people made top four does not mean that even let's say if they all wanted to split, it would have been like correct because Paulo and Mars going into the top four, quote unquote. Um, or at least day three is the best way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Paulo and Marcio both had, if Huge their matchup is, well, if their matchup is 50-50, they took home about like 42% each of the of the possibility of being the world champion. Yeah. Well, the other two players had like 8.5. Mm. And because the structure is just so absurd and it's so snowbally and top heavy. So like actually at any point, there isn't a really easy way to make a split. So even if that was a part of it and, <laughs> splitting was encouraged it would all be like really difficult to like math out yeah no kidding you would have to do percentages and that would just be messy and the players are all burnt out it's like just fuck it and play yeah. you know like yeah there's They're been like, a few times rich as hell screw up. there's been a few times in my career that someone's like do you want to split and i didn't have like a malice reason or like a uh, like the reason where it's like no i'm just gonna beat you or whatever i'm i'm like advantaged in the matchup so no or whatever sometimes i'm just too tired from the weekend and just like i don't even want to think about that let's just play our match yeah that's fair Uh, um but yeah so um i i want to direct this kind of like opinion based on like the the decks that people started with um and we might as well start with the deck that won the tournament which was paulo's and andre's azurius control deck yeah. Um, we don't have to yeah. go super deep into each deck, but, you know, talk about the things that we liked out of them. And I actually really like their deck. And I think it's a big less like learning lesson for a lot of people at home mm-hmm. because it's 
it's a subtlety deck. It had themes, but it didn't go hard on them. It had plans, but it didn't just hammer them. Like one dream trawler was beautiful to me because I saw like your your list that you won the open with was great on week one or whatever. Yeah. But then once I started playing with the deck, having four dream trawlers was like usually a negative. Yep, 100%. I, I totally agree. Right away when I saw the list, I was like, God, this just seems super weird. It seems like you really want to max out the percentage that you draw your really powerful cards. But then I just kept thinking about it. I was like, you don't need that many win cons, you know? I mean, it, it's just, just play the game of controlling what your opponent does and then win with the power eventually. It, 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 I thought Paolo and Strasky's list was really good. Yeah, and 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 the 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 thing about that though is like you don't need more power and and the best thing to explain why having more dream trawlers week 1 uh at the open was was the best choice was because the decks the meta game wasn't really there everything was a little untuned and so there's a big hole you didn't know what you're going to play against and also people didn't have a good plan against the card yeah so like you would just play dream trawler and win oh yeah yeah, week one, it was just, okay, how am I going to maximize my chances to win the game? And that's by playing the absolute broken cards now that I'm going to be playing against, you know, maybe eight decks, eight or nine decks in standard. But now standard is refined to these four or five, maybe six at most decks that you can actually metagame against. Yeah, but it, yeah, I just I just loved that. I just really liked the subtleties and them actually building a very counter-centric <coughs> deck. And it looked like it played out really well. Um, you know, no, not, not trying to beat up on, <coughs> excuse me, on, um, Severin's version of blue eye control, but like Paulo and Srosky just brought the, like the best build. I mean, I, I Brad, wrote this. You can just beat up on me because Severin's list was very close to the one I played. So you can just beat up on me and then it doesn't look like you're beating. Well, up but I liked your decisions at the time, but so, well, yeah, <laughs> um, like I said, in my, you know, to tie up blue white right now. Like I said in my article earlier this week, I, I truly believe that Paulo, the best player, testing with the Czechs, the best team, brought the best list to the tournament. And it was just a great recipe. And uh, I thought it was, I mean, I, I think that these people, like the Czechs, the, the whole Czech house, along with Paulo, if they're all working together, they're going to be very scary this season. Yeah. And once again, Strosky was behind... Uh... Uh, one of the main builds, as well as what uh, Paula was saying for his winner's interview. And I am not shocked or surprised by that at all. Strosky is just, you know, he does so much for those, uh, for like the building blocks of that check testing house. It's it's pretty unreal. He's got such a great mind for gaming. I think, I bet one or the other. I, I just always feel like Sifka's behind everything. I just I, I feel the same way too. I just I always just assume yeah. Sifka's behind everything. I, I just think oh, that's, sorry, sorry. That's what I meant to say. Did I? What did I say? You said Strosky. Oh yeah, Sifka is who that uh, Paulo gave him the shout out to. That that is totally what I meant to say, not Strosky. Yeah, yeah, no, yes. No, no offense to Strosky, but yeah, Strosky has a horrible mind for the game. He is, yeah, uh, nah. Strosky, great. Well, when too, is he going to yeah. retire? <laughs> Strosky <laughs> has admitted that you know he gets list from. Uh, um, from Sifka. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it just happens. Like, I mean, I didn't build the, the Simic flash deck. Seth did. Like, Seth and Strosky are just, like, these crazy beautiful minds in magic that are hard to, like, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to understand what they're doing and how they're doing it, but they're doing something great. But they're doing it, yeah. Yeah, and, and, no, Strosky is just, 
just scary back in Magic. Yeah. And I gotta um, say, uh, is one last point on the blue white control deck, the Archon of Sun's Grace. You know, I, I right away when I when I started playing the deck from like Brian Gottlieb's early version, had like four of those in the main, and I was like, ah, this just feels too gimmicky. But having like one in the main and then boarding into that card when you want to pivot for you know whatever direction your opponent is going to sideboard against you, that card just looked unbelievable every time it was cast. Oh, it looked like a wonderful sideboard card. And oh, it was yeah. subtle with with you know the omens and. Yeah. And yeah, no, it, it, it seemed, it seemed bonkers. Now, um, the, the, the next deck we should just, we can just go in order of, of appearance or like how long they last in the tournament. We can talk about just guy fires. I did not expect this deck. And then mostly cause I didn't think it was that good of a strategy. Yeah. But watching Marcio and Gabriel play it all weekend long, I just realized that I pretty sure that I just haven't allowed myself the time to truly understand all the really difficult intricacies of playing that deck when not all everything's going right. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's pretty crazy because like after the tournament where you took second at with the uh, uh, Simic flash deck, Simic flash just destroyed that deck and people were playing that Simic flash deck for so long. And then finally people started, you know, to stop or people, you know, didn't play this any kind of Simic deck anymore. So then Jeskai was just gone for so long, but then people realized that there's no flash strategies. It's a good deck again. That might be it, but I didn't. Yeah. I still didn't think it was going to compete with Team of Reclamation or Zerus Control, but again, I wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that deck looked really good. There's not much to say. It's pretty locked in on how it's designed. Um, one cool thing, I loved, loved the fact that Gabriel Nassif's pivot card in the sideboard was Robber of Riches a card that wants you to have less cards in your hand than your opponent from Gabriel in the seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then to watch him like beat people with it throughout the weekend and make that a storyline and then Seth double rob him out of the tournament. Like that, that was just, it was so poetic. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe Gabriel in the seat didn't play blue eye control as well. I thought that was absolutely crazy. That's just, I gotta that, that... say that I watched a lot of the tournament and I was incredibly, I mean, I shouldn't be because he's one of the best Magic players of all time, but I was incredibly impressed with how well Nassif was playing. Um, it just seemed like he always knew what was in his opponent's hand. Yeah. Yeah, and even, like, there was a few games where, like, you know, Seth is going to die. Like, this is an example. It's like Seth Seth is going to lose this game to Nassif, and he yeah. just sends all his creatures in. And then Nassif immediately question marks because... And, and it's that visceral reaction. I, I get it sometimes too, but I saw it on Nassif's face in the moment because he's like, there's no way he drew anything. Like, you know, he just like could part, parse it together immediately. Like he was on fire, but yeah. even, even though he was playing really well all weekend, the tax of that event got to him. Like that was his 19th or 20th match of the weekend. Mm. It was exhausting, you know? Yeah. And and that that seems like from the lower bracket to grind all the way up. Like if if he actually beat Seth and then actually beat Marcio, going into the finals, uh Nassif would have played 20 matches of magic to Paulo's seven. And he would have only been staying survive or only been surviving off of like 46 tiny bottles of water. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, do they need like the, do they have like another like whole case back there or something? Because he's hitting yeah. about one to two per match. So yeah, I was like, can we get this man a uh, bottled water or like you know 
something bigger than that or <laughs> like, I'm actually going to soapbox about him for a second because they did it. I watched, I watched all the coverage of Barcelona and I watched world's coverage and I get it. The guy plays slow and deliberate and especially in a, in an online environment when you can, and you have the rules of the clock and the rope and everything. Yeah. Arena, you, know? you definitely have more time. That's for sure. And I, and I get that he plays slow, but they harped on it way too much. This is like one of the greatest magic players of all time playing out of his mind great in both those events, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And I was just sick of hearing about how slow Gabriel Masif is all the time. I just, yeah. I don't like, like, so when I watched, like, especially the finals, that Twitch chat was going ballistic. I've never seen Magic do that before. That was the first time I'm like, okay, I get this esports thing, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want all these new players coming in and just, that's the only thing they know about Gabriel Nassif because he's like, he is just, to me, he's as historic of, of a magic player as the, the world championship as, as a tournament. Yeah. You know? one, thing I, one thing I really love about Nassif too, is that um, like, I didn't know him. I mean, I've known, i when I started watching magic, he was a big name in the game um, when I was a newbie to the game, but like, I I've only met him recently, you know, within the last few years. And he's just a very, like humble person, like genuinely humble. There's people who portray humbleness, but you know they like aren't actually humble. Yeah. Um, but Nasif is is just a very genuinely humble person. He's trying to find the right answer to questions when it comes to like card choices, deck choices. And he's not like overstating his own ability. You know what I'm saying? Like Oh yeah. If anything, oh. he's downplaying himself so much <laughs> to the point that it's like it's like, come on, dude. Like, I'll be talking to him after a match or something, and he'll just be like, ah, oh, yeah, I really think I screwed up this spot. Like, goes into detail about this situation. I was like, ah, oh, so what are you, X3 now? Did you lose that one? He's like, no, I 2-0'd, but I really think I screwed up this one part of the well, game. You know, it's like, so you're saying hell? that he doesn't need uh, Corey's down player? He, he does, does not, not need no, Corey. Yeah. He needs an up player. Yeah, he needs yeah, yeah. E EJ is all ours. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We need a. We need a. He needs a a Nassif <laughs> up player. Yeah. No, yeah, like yeah. on that, I just want to tell a story to mirror that from Brian because you were there. So for Mythic Championship Five, Brian and I stayed with uh, my fiance came as well, Amber, but stayed with Kai and Nassif. And I'm not going to lie, like I know that I'm 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 Brad Nelson, and I know that like. I'm a big name in magic and I have a fan base and you know, social and I get a right and all this, but like it was Wait, fucking, what was your, what's your name again? Yeah. Thank you. It was fucking cool to stay with Nasif and Kai like that. It was like, there's just like this little kid feeling still. It's like, this is cool. Right. But so, uh, Brian, uh, Kai and I all missed day two, but Nasif did it. So Nasif left the house and he went to the tournament and instead of watching it from there, uh, the four of us just chilled at our apartment, hooked a computer up to the TV and watched coverage. Um, and then when Nassif came home, I was, you know, all of us were like, there's a few plays that like we didn't really understand. And we were trying to prep him for top eight because he made top eight. And Nassif was just like, awesome. Put the computer on to the, t like the replay on. And he just like jumped on a couch to lay down. And he's like, yeah, let's let's find every mistake and talk about them. Like he <laughs> yeah. wasn't like, no, I played good or I'm good for tomorrow or whatever. Or he like was just offended like, by you bringing that no, up. No, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, the like, natural reaction there is to get defensive, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Natural reaction as well. Whatever, Brad. You were the one on the couch watching, so meh. Yeah, he was like excited to pick apart his game with us. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is like honestly one of the greatest skills that a Magic player can have is self-reviewing your games at the end of a match and and being able to be open with the fact that you might have made a mistake instead of always thinking, oh, maybe I got unlucky because they drew this. It's like, okay, did you give them an, a window where they could have drawn this spell two turns earlier or whatever? Well, like, yeah, I think that's I mean, so important. Well, it's just, it's it's not having to prove yourself to anyone, right? Yeah, like, and, yeah, and a player that's like... That's a huge thing right there, yeah. yeah. And because, like, Nassif is in a position where he's played this game forever, he's he's pretty much, like, it's not that he cemented himself as one of the best of all time. He's... He's no, he hit just the plays ranges. like cement. He just well, plays like cement. He, 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 <laughs> he's, he's, he's ranged all of it already, right? Like, yeah. he's he's got so much history with the game that his social opinion isn't changing. Mm-hmm. And and so he doesn't have to focus on any of that. It's bad to focus on it anyway, but, like, he's just at that spot where, like, the only thing he can change or control anyway is how good he, he plays. So that's why he only worries about that. Yeah. Because that's the best and only thing you should worry about. But the thing is, is that you can also like, I'm, I'm of the opinion that no matter how good you can, you can, you get, you always have something to prove. I mean, like even this year, like Tom Brady, arguably the best football player of all time, didn't have a great season. And now people are doubting his ability. You know, he still has something to prove that he can still play the game this late into his career and stuff. Like, so I, I think that like, Nassif's ability to not feel like he has to prove something to people. It it isn't just the fact that he's had the career he's had. It's it's, you know, part of like who he is. I, well, I, I guess think I, he's just stayed hungry. I think that's also one thing you have to do. Like it, you gotta yeah. just always stay hungry and always want wins. You know, Javier said it best one year after he won one world. He was just like, you know, I just wanted to make sure I I wasn't so happy, you know, that I won that I stopped caring as much or stop trying he's like i always you know just wanted to go in with every tournament wanting to win wanting to do my best and yeah i i think it's important to stay hungry yeah i I might have misspoken more so what i mean is like there's a lot of people that haven't don't have a lot of like runway behind them you know yeah and and they worry about getting there and that clouds their judgment yes sure and 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 Nassif has already been there, and so you got to focus on the process, not the results. Exactly, and and it's easier once you've had some results behind you to just have a more experience behind you. Yes, because um, yeah. like I remembered right after my first taste with success, and people saying things like, you know, like, um, back in the day they were like, "Is Brad the next Kai Bude?" And now, of course, we know that that's not true. But like now a lot of people say all the standard stuff and like that back then that got in my head. The standard stuff doesn't because I just realized that it just it does so much damage to 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 fuel yourself with uh, caring about other people's opinions. Can I ask you what it's like? What it's like to be considered one of the one of the best to have ever tasted success. Because oh, shut ask, up. Like, you have you have. You you have won a much bigger event than I have. Oh, uh, SCG Game Day 2014. Fucker, you motherfucker. Get off of my podcast. You are done. I'm coming down there. Oh, my God. Uh, excuse me, Brad. 
our podcast? Come on, man. Come mm. on. Really, that you're going to correct me in this moment? That's really what you're going to do? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's what he's going to do. Damn right what I... our little brother's for, baby. I've been doing oh, it my whole life. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> do you know what BBD hates the most in the world? Uh, the sun? Close. <laughs> oh, card shuffling? Yeah. Yeah. Take that, BBD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, all right, let's move on, though. Um, to uh, Mono Red. Now, this is a yeah. deck that, um, like, uh, that I didn't expect as much <laughs> to be in this tournament, but, you know, Seth, Andrea, and Pazzo um, all played this wonderful version that didn't have Shock, not expecting that much m mirrors, and knowing that Shock isn't going to be a good card in the other matchups. And I really wanted to, you know, say something about that because, you know, Eli did play some Shocks, which were very good in the mirror matches. But yeah. just, I love when people go for what they want, right? Like, they take those risks in these big tournaments. Because, like we said, first place is 300,000, last place is... 12,000. Yeah. And you want to you swing for the moon on these ones. Swing. Swing for yeah. the fences. Yeah. Swing, sw swing for the moon over the fence. Yes. Yes. That, that is it. Um, <laughs> and so I love their builds and they were a little bit different, but they kind of were the same. They added an extra land, a little bit more meat on the Torben and Embercleave numbers, mm -hmm. uh, a little more stocky of a build. Um, and it worked out because all, all of those, well, Andrea, Andre didn't do that well, but the top eight had three mono red decks. Yeah. And I, I got to say, <laughs> watching Seth, I mean, because he was just, he was basically on the the day three feature matches pretty much constantly, it seemed like. Um, and he, every single play from him just felt so flawless. Like, there were so many, so many plays that I would not have made, but I see three turns down the line. I was like, oh, he won the game because of that. Look, like, look, look, Seth, Seth is. Seth is one of the best magic players out there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But the man's got range. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, we have tested with him. We have played with him. We have teamed with him. Seth is capable of the best play in the room as well as the worst keep in the room. Oh, and yeah. It is just like the reason why I love watching Seth. And mm -hmm. now people can have other reasons. Like, I like watching Paulo because, like, Watching Paulo is great. He is always going to make the 99th percentile play, right? Yeah. Watching LSV is great because he will find that 100th percentile play. Yeah. You know, he will find that, like, the perfect line that can get you out of it. These players are fun to watch. Seth is a goddamn roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and, and he will mostly find the best plays, just like every other great player. But he will make you think he won't, and it scares the living hell out of you if you're a fan of his. <laughs> and do, do you agree, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to say that I, th I I actually thought that Seth is, I think that Seth is like at his best when he's playing red decks, I, just from yeah, having watched is. him over the last few years. And watching him in this tournament, I thought he played like phenomenally well. Yeah, and he's mm -hmm. always gravitating towards the red decks immediately, right? Like whenever we're testing for a pro tour, the first thing Seth is testing is these hyper aggressive <laughs> decks. And yeah. You know, Sometimes they're good. Sometimes I mean, it makes not. sense because yeah. he does very well with them. I, I, yeah. I think that Seth is like, I don't know if he'll admit that, but I really think he is a red player. And, yeah. and I think he's really like, I just watching him play this weekend. I, there were a lot of times where he was making plays and I was like, 
okay, that was better than what I was what I would have done. Same, and yeah. and I'm like really impressed with how he's sequencing through these lines and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Seth is playing really well. Like. Yeah. yeah, and the few times that, like, chat got at him, I was kind of frustrated because, like, he did things I would have done. Like, there was a light up the stage that's like, well, if he stomped his opponent um, and then cast light for one mana... He would have won the game on the spot. Yeah, yeah. but but the, the better line with an opponent at four is to light up the stage to try to get lands five and six so you can just play Torben stomp on the same turn with fires in play. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, little things like that where... It, you know, like one of the things about I, I've realized that being on like oh, when chat, I chat loves their hindsight uh, driving. Like, well, but oh, for sure. But one hindsight based uh, passenger oh, driving yeah. or whatever it's yeah. called backseat driving. Yeah. So so I'm going to bring up an example. I, I, so I, what I'm trying to get at, though, is there are some games and some tournaments where the way the cards line up, it makes the person that one or whatever look like a genius. Yes. When in fact the cards just line up that way. And like the best example I have, <coughs> excuse me, was Brian and I playing a team or energy mirror where we both knew exactly what was going on, but we just both had to take these risky optimal lines. And, and we just both were like 99% sure what, we, what was in each other's hands and what we were going to do. But because of how it looked, it looked like I just got BBD good and BBD fell for my trap or whatever. Well, to be fair, there have been a lot of times where like I've gotten got on camera and it's like a, and it's like a thing. And it's like, I I mean, I know it's like, I I should just play up the getting got aspect of it because it's like fun television, but it's like, no, I knew that's how that, I knew that's like what, what it was. I just, like, I had to make this play or whatever. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, one thing we can boil that down to is the correct play it, or the winning line isn't always the correct play, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, but it's just like from the visual side of things, from being in these situations where a lot of people are watching, mm-hmm. um, I can just tell you that a lot of my best moments uh, just were the cards randomly making me look good. Yes. You know, yeah, and, same. and, huh? I said, same. A lot of times where it looks yeah. like I make great plays, it's just, I got rewarded by my cards making me look like a genius. Like, yeah. But I, I mean, you know, I mean, you guys are downplaying yourself a little bit. You know, I mean, you put yourself in these situations where you were able to draw outs, you know, it's not like you guys are saying you, you played terrible and you got rewarded because. No, 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 no. We know. just, we're playing optimally, but, but because of what the commentator said or, because of a certain card that was drawn or something, there's just yeah. times where it just looks like, even looking back watching, it's like, I don't remember it being this awesome, but it's because in the spectator seat, it just makes the situation look better than it actually is. And what yeah. I'm saying is, Seth, I feel like, got the negative side of this this weekend, yeah. where there was a few times where, like, I thought Seth played lights out all weekend, mm-hmm. but there was a few times that it just kind of looked like he wasn't making these really good plays all the time. Not saying he was playing bad. I'm just saying like it, like <clears throat> I thought that Seth was the most impressive player in, in my opinion um, in, in, in the, the story of watching this tournament, yeah. because there was a lot of difficult games that, and a lot of matches that were in five, four. And I feel like 
I feel like there's a better chance of these matches going four or five than six, three in Seth's favor. Well, to yeah, be I, fair, we just didn't watch Paulo as much, but I did not see a single misplay on Paulo's part. I did. I saw a few, actually. Yeah. Well, I saw a few lines that I want to have taken, and maybe they're wrong or right. I'm yeah. going to ask him about them, but like, you know, like. I also, I also saw a number of lines that Paulo took that I would have taken different lines, and I, far be it for me to say that my line is better. Yeah. I, I just know definitely watching Seth, there were times where I would have taken a different line, and in hindsight, I know my line was worse. 100%. So, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. I don't uh, know who, I don't want to say like who did or did not play the best. I just, I was really impressed with how Seth played. I was also yeah. really impressed with how Nassif was playing. I was also top- really impressed with Seth's newfound swag. Did you guys. Were you guys like, whoa, oh, yeah. what came up with Seth? He was like making some jogging jokes. He was he was saying how he is going to win this for sure. I'm like, damn, did Seth get, you know, taken over by Rocky? And he just did a, <laughs> a, a montage where he ran up a bunch of stairs or something. I love the thumbs upping too. Did you see this Seth's oh, thumbs yeah, upping? Yeah. Oh, yeah, when he drew like the second robber of the rich or something. Yeah, yeah he yeah. drew like the card that killed his <laughs> opponent. He just did like a thumbs up to the camera or whatever. Or what about the Apollo, or not the Apollo, the Marcio's like about to good game him and then loses the game. <laughs> You remember oh, that? No. no. Was that? Yeah, Marcio was like wildly ahead, like basically had it locked up and went to go use the emote good game. And then he kind of like smiled and like didn't do it. And then four turns later, he scoops it up. Like, oh, yeah. That was that game that looked unwinnable. But then he just like flooded out and died. Yeah, he scribed two lands to the bottom, drew a land, scribed two lands to the bottom, yeah, drew a land. Like yeah. just insane, you know? Wow, I, yeah. I must have missed that game. That, that, yeah, he that was, was trying. To, he was trying to canister his opponent, and then, uh, and then, good thing he saved face a little and didn't click it because that would have been. Uh, that would have yeah, came back I to bite him. That. <laughs> All right, so so you know, mono red um, for the deck. I do think that you know shocks might come back into the deck because mono red is going to get a little bit more popular. But I just think it's a real deck, and I think that this. Annex is just pushing this deck over the edge. Um, and this is just a real contender for the rest. I do think Azura's control is favored in the matchup, but oh for sure. Mo- well, I don't think it's that for sure. I think it's close. Um, and but like Mono Red and Jeskai Fires kind of went even over the weekend, and I don't think anyone with Mono Red had any dedicated hate for the matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm kind of impressed with how much annex has swung that matchup in one uh, to closer to even because like it wasn't like that before yeah, yeah i think berserker is a big deal too yeah it's really yeah. crazy how much magic has changed because i remember when annex was just stealing tron lands and now <laughs> oh, and now he's a red creature oh yeah That's brad gonna... built brad built his, me his my name favorite is annex though right <laughs> Yeah, I did yeah. get the name right, right? No, you I did, did nail yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brad Brad built me this deck for like a JSS super series. Just Sky Wildfires. Jet no, it was just blue red wildfires. Are you it was sure? just okay. blue red with annex, stone rain. Like that was probably one of the most fun decks I've ever played. And, you know, whatever. Maybe like the first tournament I won, but that brings me back. I love me a good old annex. Do you know yeah. what brings me back to? What? And this, is a transi- this is a transition to team of reclamation. Yeah. Watching Matias Levorado opt to the bottom and die. <laughs> die immediately. Well, Brad, what does it bring you-, you back to when he opt to the bottom and drew Nexus and defeated you because of it? Yes. Yeah. That's oh, what okay. it does bring me back to. Yes. 
This okay. is called a cathartic, you know, experience. It's a cathartic reunion. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. No, because that's discarding and drawing two. Okay. This okay. is just drawing one. So, Brad, um, would you rather him opt and die this time or opt and die last? <laughs> well, time? of course, I would have wanted it to be that time. Like, but we're not talking on a, we're not talking on prayers here. We're just talking about reality. getting to watch that in reality was delicious to me. I ate up every morsel. I paused it, grabbed my phone, went to the video recording that was happening, and rewatched it. Clipped it and it's it's a gif now in the background right now. It's wow. not, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but the team of reclamation. Let's talk about this deck. Um, <laughs> I'm, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my opinion out. I think it's hot garbage. Yeah, hot garbage. And I think garbage. anyone it gets so tricked bad. to play it. It looked so bad all weekend. It also had the worst record. It was seven yeah. and eleven on the weekend. Yep. Oh, seven eleven. Yeah. All right. We need to get Andreas Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> out to scout how good that makes the deck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like uh no, this this is a 711 that I would be fine with you shitting on, Brian. Okay, yeah, and I will do exactly that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's it's no uh no surprise that I hate uh team of reclamation as a general rule. I I, I think the deck is always overrated. And yeah. no surprise that here. To be fair, I also think that Blue White is always overrated, and Blue White actually looked really good this weekend. So I will yeah. admit that I I was wrong about Blue White in this particular instance. But I'm gonna take my uh, I'm gonna take my cake and eat it too with Human Reclamation because I yeah I, whew. yeah I mean I'm with you I I was always on the train that Blue White Control is just the worst deck across all formats, but. Right when I played Azurius Control and Standard, I knew that was the deck I was going to play the entire season. Uh, yeah. This is a different one. But Team of Reclamation was just getting absolutely shit on by Red. It just wasn't even close. And then, like, was just losing close games to the rest of the field. Like, it didn't look like there were any good matchups anymore now that the Azurius Control decks swung towards less of a tap-out uh, game plan and more to a controlling plan you know, and playing against the best players in the world who knew how to maneuver around these huge turns that they could have. It just, it, it doesn't, there's nothing appealing about Team of Reclamation moving forward in this so, game. So if I can like just give a quick little synopsis of what I actually wrote in my article this week um, about Team of Rec, I wrote like a third of my article is about why this deck is bad and I explained like the, the, the crap about it. Um, But like w what I just want to say to you, to y'all about it is the I, I I just have this theory of why Team of Reclamation um continues to do the same thing where it sh it shows up right at the beginning of a new format with a new toy and then slowly dies out or quickly dies out and I just feel like it's I just think the engine's actually very good at beating the week one decks because they're not like solidified and streamlined and they're not even thinking about Team of Reclamation yeah. because. I feel like there's three there's three ways that this deck wins. <coughs> it draws Grow Spiral on turn two. It draws Wilderness Reclamation for turn three or four. And if neither of those two things happen, then the third thing is the opponent stumbles. Mm. And if people are stumbling a ton trying new cards and new strategies in week one or two, it's going to do powerful things. But when all the decks are streamlined and caring about this deck... I just don't think it holds up. And I also think that Team Reclamation is the type of deck that wins more against weaker players. 
for sure. And yeah. and um, I don't that, think I don't know if that's true. I think, I think it's it for is sure true. Yeah, I think because well, better deck players wins more against weaker players. I don't think no, that's no, no. Super- like I'm saying, the range of this deck is is. I actually think it's the opposite. Where if you have a skill advantage, you should never play Team Reclamation in the tournament. Well, that no, I no, I think because what Brad is trying to say is Team Reclamation. If anybody makes one key slip up against you, it's usually the turn where you get to max punish them. If somebody makes a slight slip up against them on a red deck, like sure, you might get an extra two points of damage or whatever. But if people just mildly make a, a wrong okay. play and tap out against Team Rec, they just go Reclamation but, expansion. Boom! But you're reclamation bad, you know? is the kind of deck where in a lot of matchups it turns the matchup into a coin flip. Who's on the play? You know, like that kind of stuff is like deter- Like, do you have spiral on two? Like those kinds of things take skill out of the gameplay of who's winning and losing. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, <clears throat> like, I, I think that there are matchups like blue white versus the stack where there's a lot of play to both sides. But like, when you take a, de- a matchup like mono red versus team of reclamation, there's not that many decisions from both sides that are super relevant. Like you're, you're playing your cards from both sides the best way you can to try to win the game. That's to me, fair. like you're you're taking a lot of the you're taking a lot of the like agency out of it. I th- I will say there's an exception of again <clears throat> in that matchup, but any matchup that has a lot of play, like Jeskai Fires or Azurius Control or even Jun Food against Team of Reclamation, there those are matches where you got to play tight, and if you tap out on the wrong turn. Against these teamer decks, they'll severely punish you. So I think that's what Brad was saying is, you know, in the matchups that have more played to them, Mono Red against Teamer Rec, yeah, I don't think there's a ton you can gain. Um, plus I just, I just, just think that, like, I would never pick... Reclamation would be, like, literally the last deck I would consider ever picking in a tournament where I felt like I had a massive skill edge on somebody. Which, to me, that suggests that it's not really a deck that... I think is is good at beating bad players. Well, like, I, I I actually also think that you don't play this deck a lot, and this this version of the deck, this iteration, is drastically different. It, it included four new cards. Yeah, this like this it is has more a, a mid range. Yeah, it's more of a mid range deck now. I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's more of a control deck. <clears throat> sure, sure. Like because it's not all in on having to have reclamation. It can play like this like pseudo control game for a few turns. And then do things. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the big problem with the deck, right? Is like it has such an identity crisis. Like it's not doing anything perfect. It's just doing like two or three different styles of decks mediumly. And I think that's why it's bad. Like blue white control, you know what that deck's doing? Just got fire is doing a specific thing. Like I think Team Wreck is trying to uh, cannibalize itself so much to beat these to beat certain decks, and then you just fall on your face. Just to what is that? I don't draws. know what that means because cannibalize means like if Teamer Wreck was trying to beat itself, that's cannibalizing. Well, it's like cannibalizing, just ch- trying to change itself to beat every deck. So it's playing cards like Nissa. So and it's stuff trying. Like that. It's being stretched too thin. That's it's a being stretched too thin. thin. Yes. That's a much better word. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Phrase. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever. I, I think that this is just the what we've seen with this deck over and over again. And it kind of goes along a little bit with what Brad was saying, which is a very simplistic explanation for it, is that Team of Reclamation just feels like a deck that's like one turn too slow for the format, always. But in the beginning of the format, when decks aren't well-defined, then it's going to be a turn faster. Mm -hmm. So like early on in a format, 
when people are trying things out, they're going to get paired against Team of Reclamation and like they're going to have too many awkward removal spells that aren't actually good in the format and like not be able to kill the team or player in time and stuff like that. But now later on in a format, when people have developed their list a little bit more, like they're not like think about the red deck. There's no shocks in the red deck, you know, like Mm -hmm. all these cards that are awkward, like people don't have lava coils in their main deck or whatever, you know, like that would it be there in the beginning of a format that would cause you to lose against team reclamation. Now you don't have those cards and you can actually win the game. So. Yeah. And I, I think that formats really start and lean on mid-range. Like people just want to find <laughs> mid-range decks and play the cool, exciting cards. And Team of Reclamation slops up mid-range, so play and simple, yeah. right? No, I, yeah. I definitely get that. I well, to be fair, I am play I'm currently playing a mid-range ramp deck and I've been beating the crap out of it. Um like yeah. I, I I yeah, so uh um, But you've been playing standard? <laughs> Well, yeah, I have a tournament soon. I've been playing a lot of standard. I, oh, well, mythic I, time, I, huh? I, I, I'm technically I'm gold one. I started in bronze because I haven't played any, so I, everything bled. Okay, you know I bled down to bronze. Um, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, I haven't played any. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I, I've played enough to get me to almost to platinum or diamond or whatever. I think it's platinum. So I'm about. I, I'll, I'll probably hit platinum tomorrow or the next day. What would you, uh, if you played the tournament tomorrow, what would you play? That ramp deck? Uh, I better not, but I probably would. <laughs> nice. I better not. Like, I love my deck. Um, it's, yeah. uh, I just need to get somebody's name uh, real quick. But, uh, but yeah, Jeffrey White won the classic with a Bant Midrange deck. And, like, I, so it's like this ramp deck, but it didn't have Grow Spiral. So I put Grow Spiral in it, and then I've been doing <laughs> really well. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Tell us about Gross Spiral. Is that a good Brad? That? You're an inno- you're an innovator. Has anyone ever told you that? Yeah, it is quick. Well, so so the deck, the deck by you know the uh, the, the naked eye looks really weird because it plays both Nissa who shakes the world, Elswith conquers death, and Cavalier of Thorns. But oh, okay. it it kind of all works well because if everything else you're doing is ramping and playing a few tempo cards. Uh, and Teferi and Tamio. Tamio is the other one that's like kind of a, you know, an, a head scratcher. And but, Uro, I guess, right? And Uro, yeah. But you have Uro, Gross Spiral, and Arboreal Grazer. And so you're always trying to play play a ramp draw game. Yeah. A- and the deck's been really good. I, I have a really high win percentage with it. I haven't played like enough against all of the ma- major decks yet. Like I've got, you know, maybe there's not enough red. I have to play more against red. I haven't grinded against them. But I keep playing against like Team or Jeskai and his azuris control and just kind of beating the crap out of them because like like if you ramp enough like everyone has four mystical disputes right but if you go ramp ramp on turn four you can play a teferi around the card you know yeah, yeah i don't think seth played four <laughs> mystical disputes this last week and i could be wrong but well i'm saying in the matchups where like those that kind of things matter so you know but he had I, he had oh, four God. islands and four mystical disputes in the sideboard got him nice, nice got him good yeah didn't like, even play stevens <laughs> just true island yeah straight you know, up island yeah it's it's only been like a solid like month and a half or so since you you all you two have been just like you know going event into event into event like where it was just insane towards the end of last year so it, it it feels weird that you're like getting ready for tournaments now. I feel like me and you, Brad, have been playing tournaments exactly opposites and testing for stuff, you know, at completely different times. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um 
I just get to go play Underworld Breach for the next like three or four weekends. It's just going to be a delight. Oh, just a bunch of Pioneer with Underworld Dreams. Oh, I, said, yeah, I, said, I said we're not talking like about Pioneer. You had to sneak it in. We're not talking about Pioneer. Oh, oh, but, he, but you said Underworld stupid. Dreams, just, which is legal and standard. That is I true. Said, he, I said, he said Underworld Breach. Brad said Dreams. Oh, so. yeah. oh okay. okay. So, so I'm just going to say that we're not talking about the stupid combo Pioneer format until they ban something. We're on... We're on Pioneer Strike. Wow, are you really are you really the band guy now, Brad? Yeah, he's the band guy. Well, Jesus. yeah, I'm the band guy. The, the, okay. Brad, do, hey, if you say, you not, hey, you're working at Wizards. If you say that they're going to ban the deck, I'm not going to be able to play the deck anymore. So can we just say the deck is okay just for like a month? <laughs> well, I, I, I have, okay, you're... you're you're greatly over exaggerating my my power control and knowledge. I worked eight hours. <laughs> it, it, like <laughs> you're a hell of a lot closer to wizards than I am right now. So I, I I'm still I'm still giving you the this benefit of the doubt <laughs> of the <laughs> doubt. Hey, what? my last article is how how they should not ban anything in Pioneer. So boom. Thanks, BBD. Well, I'll I send think... you a Christmas card. Okay. Thank you. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Well, I I firmly believe they should. Yeah, I oh. think so too. <clears throat> oh, okay. I mean, what? It's okay to be wrong, guys, but uh, I, I don't think I don't think the the Demir Inverter deck is 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 healthy enough. Yeah, let's get that let's get that deck out of there. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a real <laughs> healthy deck for the people who enjoy playing it. Um, we got a ban Uro. That card's getting way too close to being competitive oh, yeah. against these combo decks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so anything else that y'all have? Because I already talked about my ban ramp deck. I also think Semic Flash might be playable. Yeah, well, Brad, that's all I've been playing lately, just because I knew everyone was going to Apollo it up. So just, you know, to finish my quest, every three days I've been playing Arena, and that's all I've been playing is Simic Flash, and then all I've been getting paired against is Mono Red and getting shit on. I'm going to throw out <laughs> I'm gonna throw out two words of what I think could be a thing moving forward. Does it start with Esper? Yes. <laughs> Esper? Do you actually think Esper Hero is playable? No, I don't, because the second <laughs> word is control. Oh. It was, it was oh, a bait and switch. Oh, it was a, it, it was a lead. It was a lead. I buried the lead, and, I'll, and I'll, I will not tell you where I buried it because it is disgusting. You are a straight master baiter. I have. Wait, to wait, say. wait, 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 wait! I know where you buried it. You buried it behind Team Reclamation's record. Oh yeah, <laughs> Brad. BBD couldn't go that low. <coughs> so, so one one thing I do want to bring up, y'all, is okay. Do you keep that hand the last game? Come on. No, that was a tilt. I've been there. It's a tilt keep. He's so tired. I don't think yeah. it's a tilt keep. I think it's just that heat of the moment. You're tired. Yeah. You keep a hand. He's like, it's gonna work. But honestly, that's not even. It was like mildly close on the draw, but still an easy mull to me. And I do not mulligan as much. I lean closer to Cess philosophy of just keep all seven because then you have one more card. I... Seth kept a seven that I thought was kind of loose, but in hindsight, oh, yeah. it, it makes a good bit of sense. And then he drew the two drop on turn two, and his hand was just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. he literally said that. He's like, I kept that exact <laughs> hand against Paulo last time, didn't draw the two drop, and got shit on. And he's like, but this time I drew it, and my hand was absolutely busted. So I, so... I do want to say, though, that I, I actually think Esper Control could be good because I think that uh, I think that D-Spark is just the nut nut against so many of these decks. Yeah. D-Spark is really good. Like, I'm not trying to play, like, a huge Esprit game plan. Like, I don't I don't think Hero's good. 
Um, like all like a lot of the best cards are single single color cards, like Elspeth Conquers Death or whatever. Yeah, a lot of the enchantments. Um, but I I think that D Spark seems like insanely good in this format right now. I mean, you just get to play Blue White Control and play Narset, Elspeth Conquers Death, Dream Trawler, and then you also get to play. Oath of Kaya to make your mono red matchup better and D Spark to just be a great, you know, card. I don't like even think Oath of Kaya is good against mono red, really. It's fine. I, I don't like this because, like, I, it doesn't improve your mirror. Also, like, I'd much rather counter the fire. I don't think like, Thought Erasure does. I guess if we're playing Thought Erasure. Well, you definitely I mean, you play would Thought be playing Esper. Esper. You would be playing Thought Erasure playing Esper for sure. But then you're not playing like then then in your in your blue white matchups, then they have thirsts and they have more card advantage than you. I mean you, you, still have you don't have to main deck the thought erasures, you can sideboard them. Like like or duress or whatever. Like playing black just gives you access to a, a good side a, a little bit better of a sideboard, I think. Ah, if I'm playing trees? three colors, if I'm playing blue and white and I have to add a color, it's gonna be green. Because Bant Feces is is up my alley, and I've been doing well with it. <laughs> I think you, you guys accurately named the deck. All right, yes. Can, yeah. you guys, can you guys just, I mean, why are we adding colors to the perfect best deck in the format? Just leave Blue Eye Control alone. I mean, Paulo, Paulo, you know, just revamp the deck. Let's just, just keep All playing right, that. That fine. deck's busted. Fine, I won't add any colors to the best deck in the format. I won't splash Mystical Dispute in Mono Red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, one nice. of these one of these nights I want to play some blue white versus this this uh this deck against you, bro. Fuck no. Yeah. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> we can do it while you're streaming. I don't care. Oh, okay. People might want to watch that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, bring I'd, bring back the Bash Bros battle or whatever the hell we were doing for a while. What, yeah, what the Bash it? Bro battles. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that because I want to test against a decent like just to make sure that I against a good blue white player for the weekend thing. For the metagame yeah. challenge, and I kind of I need someone to beat beat this band deck out of my hands because I I shouldn't be playing it, but I am. Well, I'm well, a pioneer you know, gamer you know right that, now, so you know that none of us are going to beat it out of you. But then when you play the tournament itself, it will get beaten out of you. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by one of us. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play we'll queue up into you on the ladder. <laughs> oh wow, I could I could uh, I could queue snipe Brad. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. the mythic the mythic that, point challenge where it's literally as, the uh, dumbest thing you know that you know those like win trading and stuff is against the the um terms of service does it count as uh as it if it's not win trading but if it's just straight like <laughs> spite sniping is that a... I, I think only if you like go upstairs and like disconnect his internet or just unplug his computer i think oh, then you're violating I'm the terms that. of service I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose to him normally and be upset with myself for trying to snipe him <laughs> yeah <laughs> bbd went zero and three queuing into brad three times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well uh any other closing things about uh worlds i i you know like Removing Javier from the tournament, I thought, like, just ignoring that Javier was in attendance, I thought it was really cool that, like, in my opinion, the top four players in the room ignoring Javier were in the top four. Yes. And and that was really cool to me. I mean, it sucks that, you know, Javier is one of those. He's in the top five of these players, you know? And I'm not going to rank them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I would put Canister up there I don't well, like but... talking about him. <laughs> Brad, I mean, if we if we can't if we can't talk about everybody who's beaten you in the finals of a pro tour, we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a tweet that was 
who wore it better and it was or who wore the bridesmaid better today and it was just a picture of you and Marcio next to each yeah. other. I was like, oh. I, I didn't think it was that good of a tweet. But. It wasn't very good, but I did see it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, one, th- one last thing I want to say about Worlds was, you know, first off, congrats to Paulo. I think that is just so impressive to have the one thing that he hasn't done checked off his bucket list and, and you know, just cementing the fact that he is not knocking on the door of best in the world uh, tied with Kai or John. He He's there. It, it's He is in the conversation between those well, three yeah. for sure, um, if not just taking it home. So it, yeah. it was awesome to see that. It was great to watch the coverage. Everybody did so well. It's nice to see Kibler. Um, doing you know some phenomenal play by play as well, and really. Well, let's let's keep it on these subjects. You're going through too many subjects, so we yeah, can't comment. I think, yeah, sure, I, sure. I think Paulo might actually just be at the height of his career right now, which is kind of terrifying because well, you know he already has a hall. Of well, Fame didn't career. he just top eight like the last three or four? This is his fourth. Um, his fourth top in finish a row, in a right? row. Yeah. yeah. Kind of well, you you got to you got to do the branding right because it's technically not a pro tour. <clears throat> like yeah, they're not players. all pro. Yeah, there's there was two mythic championships, a players tours, and a worlds. Yep. Um, and but yeah, it's four top finishes in a row. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. Like I remember Brussels, Worlds, and then second at Richmond. What was the other one? Second at Richmond. Oh, so he, he player, took second at the, Richmond. The, the arena mythic championship. He got knocked out by a wonderful player in Mythic Championship Seven. Oh, who was that player? Oh, it was me. Took him out? Oh, it, oh, it was me. Oh, oh. Weird. I wouldn't guess that. You said wonderful. Oh, uh, never oh, mind. Never mind. oh. Actually, <laughs> I thought it was kind of poetic. Um, so I, I mean, this is this is very self indulgent. Um, but like, I knocked Paulo out of Mythic Championship Seven by Aether Gustine, a Red Cavalier, and that play is what got him into the finals of Worlds. Like he nice. Aether Gusted <laughs> a Red Cavalier. Nice. You know, I, I just thought it was like when it happened, I thought it was really cool. You there know, was a lot of Aethergust and a lot of Red Cavaliers this last weekend. I got to say yes. that much. Yeah, there was. There was. Yeah. So are you both. saying that the only reason <coughs> that Paolo won Worlds is because you taught him how to Aethergust Cavaliers? No, I'm just saying it was a moment. Why do you have to try to make everything a thing? Because <laughs> uh, I love you, bro. And it, it's what a little <laughs> brother should do. No, I just thought it was really cool to see that. Happen. I'm just giving you crap. Yeah, I know. Um, but no, like whatever. If Paulo is the best player, like I just don't want to go down that because we're. I don't want to go down the the Michael Jordan v LeBron argument because what Kai did was super impressive. What Finkel has done is super impressive, and what Paulo is continuing to do is super impressive. And I think I, there's arguments to put any of them anywhere you want, depending on your metrics. But I just think that it's just. Those are the top three. And let's, let's not say anywhere. We can't put them as, you know, the worst players of all time. That wouldn't be a good spot to put any of those. Do players. you want me to be hypercritical on everything you say, bro? We can start. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll be the host for next week and you can right. just destroy me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you though. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get into that discussion, especially when James Harden's the current best player in, in the world anyway. So Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Are we just all gonna troll each other today? Is that, oh, is that what yeah. we're doing? I'm just I'm all, I'm here only for the trolls. In fact, I, I'm I'm reading the notes for the podcast, and it said <laughs> invite BBD because all he does is troll, and we want that on the podcast. So all right, yeah, yeah, I, I want to say 
Huge shout out. Congratulations to Wizards of the Coast for running what has to be the most epic tournament and hashtag esports event I've ever seen. When, like, honestly, when they were pumping out esports last year, I, I kind of, it was very eye rolly for me. Yeah. And, but this was esports. I saw that chat. I saw the excitement. My they hit 100K. Eyes were they hit 100K yeah, viewers my, at one point. My eyes were glued to the screen. I was trying to get some content done and write my article and get some other stuff done in preparation for like, you know, starting work this week. And, yeah. and, uh, dude, you gotta lay off the glue. You glued your eyes to the screen and you were, you yourself were also glued to <laughs> the Look, screen. Look, I have a problem. <laughs> we need, like, we need an intervention. No kidding. <laughs> No, honestly, it was it was the greatest uh, magic event I've ever watched. I've always been a big fan, and unfortunately, <laughs> I did get to watch every single arena tournament, <laughs> you know, from being at my house during all those events. But, you know, BBD got to watch most of those as well, too, so I'm not the oh, only one here. <laughs> ooh, I got to, but I chose not to out of saltiness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fair. But yeah, it was it was an unbelievable <laughs> broadcast and I uh I, I loved every minute of it. It was great. All right. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. But before we go, we have to talk about our cast and crew. Now, everyone listening to this episode of the Bash Rose Podcast, our 50th. Woo, yay! Woo, 50! We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash bash rose podcast. If you like the show and want to see it continue and thrive, you can do so by supporting us financially at that website <laughs> that money will go towards the future of this podcast it yeah. hinges in the balance really yeah. the future of the podcast is my wallet that's so yeah. weird <laughs> yeah bbd if you want to be back on this podcast you better start uh, subscribing dude uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll never see you guys again so. yeah but we have we have a discord where we <laughs> hang out and uh, we'll answer some questions and talk about BBD memes and BBD out out of body experiences. <laughs> um, uh, for three dollars, we have a pre show, and I I, I I'm not going to pull up the uh, the quotes just yet because I didn't prepare that. But people are calling it a not miss event. Ooh, really? <laughs> can't miss event. Yeah, yeah. It's Zach something. Code? I don't. I don't know. No, it's like they're, they're saying that it is better than our. Our actual podcast, which I, I don't think promotes us that well. No, yeah, that probably is not. not. A it's, 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 a, it's a very negative thing, right? I, w yeah. I will say the most clickbaity thing ever right now is you will not believe what BBD started this pre-show with. Because oh. it was absolutely <laughs> oh, uncalled for. Oh, yeah, that, that was <laughs> clickbaity. It was, it, it was really <laughs> uncalled for. I, I, I'm actually a little bit worried about having said that, but... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I uh, just a want round a, of applause. Yeah, to round you, of BBD. applause. Let's yeah. clap for BBD. Oh, clapping! Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, and then for five dollars, we have our cast and crew. All right, yes. so without further ado, let's kick it off with our cast and crew. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode <laughs> of the Bash Bros Podcast. Wait, wait, wait! Before we start it, guys, does this mean we're over the hill now, though? Since we're, this is our fiftieth episode, is everything oh, I, downhill now? I, I don't know about when you're hills. 40. I don't know about hills, but I do feel like a midlife crisis is coming because I think we have already passed our halfway. <laughs> oh, wow. no. Okay. Wait, who changed these back? I put Brian on all of these. Oh, I changed, <laughs> I changed them. All Damn right. That. So our first member of our cast is EJ Wren, Corey's down player. Corey, as you just saw, 
gets a little over the top up and uh, needs to be reeled in, and that's EJ's. No, order. you get over the top. Shut the hell up, BBD. Yeah, okay. I, I think oh. I think we just need EJ to go get Corey's, you know, Ritalin prescription. <laughs> but, uh, but wow, make fun of make fun of my ADD. Cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and here right. I thought I was getting canceled for this episode. All right. Next up, we've got Alex Arnaldi, who is our data analyst. Excuse me. Is that it? Is he, he, he analyzes our data? Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Anally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Pierre Vendelabu. Nope. That's not right. Pierre is... Vendelabu. There it is. <laughs> okay. This is uh, one of the most important jobs, if not the most important. This Pierre's constantly busy. It's Corey's trophy organizer. There's a lot. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right. Trying it a different way every time. We'll eventually get this man's <laughs> name right. Paul Kacharovsky. That's right. There's Kacharovsky. No There's no H. Huh? You said catch. You made the H sound. There's no H. The CZ. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, extrapolating what I think a CZ might sound like. I mean, it sounds to me like a Coke Zero. It sounds refreshing. I wish I had a Coke Zero here just to crack (laughs) open. Oh, that would have been Anyway, Paul Kacharovsky is a BBD's wall staring photographer. He captures me in my native element, which is staring at a wall. (laughs) And and, and he he posts them on our Discord. He does. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when did you go to the Great Wall of China, BBD? I was meaning to ask you about that. That looks nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say it right now. We've got some more to talk about, but I love our fans so much. And I love <laughs> the too. support we get for this because not only is obviously this is not real, right? But he made it real. <laughs> like He's like, I will start taking pictures of BBD <laughs> staring at walls. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, also, is this real, is real. Yeah. This yeah. is completely this real. This is, in fact, real. real. Yeah. And next up is Daniel Russell, Brad's <laughs> international document consultant. That's a real, real thing yeah. that we need to address. Real so. job. It's a real job here at the Bash Bros Podcast. <laughs> you <laughs> know what he else should is, be fired. <laughs> I bet the next one's very real as well. Oh, yeah. This one is real. Spoon Tongue is BBD's hairstylist. You know, I mean, that, that shit just doesn't, you know, just happen. So. Yeah, spoon tongue's been slacking a little bit. I need a I need a fresh shave for sure. So, <laughs> all right, we got Tom Wilkinson, our on call Sultai correspondent. We didn't need him for Worlds, no Sultai there. But I have nope. heard that Corey's been playing some Okos in the format we shall not name. So, Tom Wilkinson oh. on call for that. That card's also banned, but sure. Huh? Yeah, no, no, he Uro. Uro. Oh, you said Uro. Oko. Okay. Right. I did say Oko. I meant Uro. Yeah. All right. uh, what David, are you, Watt, David Watt is our special guest screener and was off duty today after that embarrassing mistake by Brian. <laughs> yeah. He took an extended leave of absence, yeah. hoping that we would forget about what he has just recently done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's back on the chopping block. Next, yep. we got <sighs> Victor Beauchamp, and that is our executive producer so whenever oh, we need Jagabombs, whenever we need Jagabombs, whenever we need to gym tan laundry, or fresh material <laughs> or <laughs> fresh material victor's there hell yeah all right i wasn't sure how to pronounce this name <laughs> so I, <laughs> I asked Corey, and he told me it was symbol <laughs> so <laughs> we got symbol 
<laughs> our executive waste management operator. And, God, that was uh, a shitty joke. It was so good, though. God, yeah. shove it up your waste management, BBD. All right. <laughs> <laughs> your waste manager, Corey. <laughs> ah, yeah. fuck. Damn it. Uh, missed opportunity. All I'm right, not going to sleep Chicken, tonight. VP of Video Operations, because once we go audio, we will have killed... Oh, we already killed our video star. Once you go video, Bad you joke. never go Bad audio. joke. I'm giving up. Yeah. Get out. Okay, next we got Jer Majeldi. Yep. That's exactly right. That's the oh, yeah. Pronounce the name, 100%. 100%. Hell yeah. I don't know if you're trolling me or not, but I don't care anymore at this point. Jer's job is the assistant. So he's working his way up the ladder, the corporate ladders here. The assistant to the assistant regional manager. Um, what region? We don't know. We don't it's about actually... as important of a job as any of ours right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely unimportant. All right, we have Andreas Hammond, Richmond gas station scouter. Um, I'm hoping he's scouting out those 7-Elevens because that's yeah, those seven. <laughs> yeah, on the well, on the mine right now. You wouldn't have the biggest problem like you've had at other rich Richmond gas stations if you went to a 7-Eleven because that's always open. Okay, that is true. That is that's true, and that and Andreas should be giving us that information. Exactly, that's kind of information be. Andreas can provide us. Yes, we're incapable of finding it on our own. You know if what? Let's you... just let's just absorb Andreas into the <laughs> company. I'll take that job now since I'm clearly more experienced now. All right. Uh, well, all right. and if you would like to be part of the casting crew and not only get your name butchered but given a real job, <laughs> that, you know that. how to do it. You know Come how on to do in. It. Give us five dollars. Patreon.com slash bash bros podcast. Anyway, that is our episode. Thank you everyone for coming by for our 50th episode. Now I'm gonna Ooh. go and get some dinner and go to sleep and start my busy day at working at Watsy tomorrow. Oh man, you businessman, you. I'm proud of you. Goodbye, I'm everyone. A busy businessman. <laughs> Bye.